0: Welcome in lacrosse fans to the Utah Lax Report. I'm your host, Tim Haslam. This week's podcast features Nick Greeninger, who is the founder of Vessel Kitchen, one of the sponsors of the Utah Lax Report. Nick hails from San Diego and ended up playing at Cornell and Denver before making his way to Park City, but he explains all that in the podcast, so go give it a listen. Also this week, the UHSAA RPIs were released, and so I've got a full breakdown on the site of what that means what what a bracket may look like if the season ended today obviously all that will change as as the games are played but definitely something fun to look at as we look at at what the playoffs might look like hope you enjoy the show
1: and my interview with
0: nick welcome to the show nick how are you
1: good tim how you doing
0: Good. Thanks for joining me today. I really appreciate it. You, you've got a great story. I'm really excited for this podcast. You know, uh, you, you've played Ivy League or la- lacrosse. You have started a successful restaurant. Super excited to to talk and and let the people out there know know the man behind uh, the vessel kitchen. So thanks for coming on.
1: I appreciate that.
0: Tell me, we'll start out with the basics. When did you start playing lacrosse?
1: So I started playing lacrosse in eighth grade. I'm from San Diego, and that was probably. year 2000 and things you know western lacrosse and especially southern california and san diego has become like a, a decent little powerhouse but we certainly weren't that back in the day i was big and decently athletic and i remember i got thrown into the mix early and i was terrible oh man i was terrible i didn't know how to scoop a ground ball i was playing like decently competitive middle school lacrosse it was slight embarrassment but i loved the game and and ended up you know, getting really acclimated to to how to, you know, get better every day and hitting the wall and learning how to not be a total liability out there. And then an important shift happened in San Diego. What, you know, kids know adrenaline today is this, you know, huge kind of lacrosse conglomerate that has shaped the West Coast. But those guys were all 22 years old at the time, and it started migrating out to the West Coast and started kind of permeating the scene there. And started plugging themselves into middle school and high school programs. And all of a sudden we had this influx of like incredible knowledge from guys like Scott Hoxted and Alec Cade and the guys, Steve Cipetta and the guys that had formed, eventually formed Adrenaline. And so me and my buddies just started soaking up this knowledge and they put themselves into Torrey Pines High School, which eventually I, I, I entered as a, as a freshman. And that was kind of the beginning of my lacrosse career.
0: That's 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 awesome. You know, I, I love that area of the country. It's it's a beautiful little spot. You mentioned you got involved. The adrenaline people started coming on the scene, and and really that's what that's what helped you know elevate certainly Western lacrosse, but definitely like you mentioned right in that little hotbed of of San Diego with with Torrey Pines. You're you're playing at Torrey Pines. You know, I'm I'm assuming that you're playing on you know the West Coast Stars teams because there's those are the guys coaching it. What 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 was your recruitment process like going into college when when did you want to know you wanted to play college lacrosse
1: sure so to put it in perspective west coast stars didn't even officially start until i was after until i was in college and so we we had like me and my buddies who graduated in 2004, we ended up having like a pretty decent group. And so we formed, we had a couple of those guys, Hamilton Pollard, who played pro for the Bayhawks and played at LXM and played in the MLL. He says to me and my buddy, I want to start a club. And so what do you want our names to be? And we're in history class. And I, to this day, don't recall literally what prompted this idiocy, but we formed the, the club Rotten Cheeseburgers. Something happened in history class, and that was where the name came from. And so, the Western, sh- like the adrenaline shootout and some of those big, like those massive tournaments today, we were doing that at Sonoma State University, and things started getting really competitive. And so, that was kind of the inception of what kids know today as these massive adrenaline recruiting showcases. And so, for me personally, I had skipped a grade kind of early on. So, I was really young for my age. I was a as big as I am now and a big fat behemoth out there, but started wanting to get recruited at a heavy, at a heavy level. And I decided early on that I was going to go to attend. I was fortunate enough to attend Deerfield Academy as a postgraduate. And so again, we were playing our RC and very successful. We were getting a little bit of looks, but this is, again, I'm dating myself. I ended up going to top 205 in Maryland. which at The time was the bee's knees no longer (laughs) certainly no longer a thing and I'll tell you this like and this is awkward to talk about for me but like all of a sudden I look around it was day two or two oh five and I got coach DeLuca coming up to me from who's at Cornell at the time I've got Bill Tierney and I've got the Maryland coaching staff as we're on their campus saying would you go forego Deerfield Academy to come be a freshman next year and and I was like so blown away and so humbled, but those guys had kind of put a mentality in our heads. these adrenaline guys of like, go out there, you can compete, you can be athletic. And so I committed, I ended up after going to recruiting or going to recruiting visits to Maryland, most of the Ivy, Syracuse, I ended up committing to Cornell prior to attending Deerfield Academy and was just like blown away that I was going to be fortunate enough to attend an Ivy league university. And, you know, for me, I wanted to attend a great school, but I wanted to attend a school that, if I was going to play this much lacrosse, I wanted to compete for national championship, and and Cornell hit all those boxes for me. So, so you've been
0: recruited by the the big teams, uh, you end up going to Cornell. What what was it like at Cornell? I, I've never been there. What you know what 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 is it like there?
1: So, you know, again, those criteria where I wanted to attend an incredible academic institution. I really want to compete. for for a national championship. And also Cornell had this blend of like, you know, at the time, I, sorry, Torrey Pines was 4,000 kids. So the notion of going to a college that was comparable or even or even smaller than my high school just didn't accolade like to me. And Cornell is one of the bigger ivies with about 15,000 grad and undergrad. It was my recruiting visit. It was like the most beautiful time of the year in the early part of the summer. And I wanted a chance to play early and cornell is you know cornell still is i, I believe the hardest working like our fitness regimen is the toughest in the country as a guy who was six 240 pounds that was a tough that was a tough fit for me i believed in myself and our and our coaching staff you know told me that if basically you know i continue to compete i could get a spot playing early on and so i played in every game on freshman year was a guy who's just kind of Grind, playing on man down, and we had an incredible group of seniors. That um, it was the senior class was only five guys at that point, but they were just incredible mentors and helped shape the big part of who I am today. And I feel so fortunate. And like you know, any kids that we helped get recruited back in the day, I would I would tell them that culture was so important. So ended up being a three year starter there beautiful campus, incredible facilities, you know, and we were top five every single year that I was there and it was just a blast.
0: Do you have a, do you have a favorite memory from, from playing at Cornell? Maybe it was a game, maybe it was a certain road trip.
1: Yeah. I mean, my freshman year we, or my freshman year, we, we lost to the UMass team. We lost by a goal to the UMass team with Sean Morris that ended up going to the finals my sophomore year, we were undefeated the entire year. We were number one all year. One of my best memories uh, was a week before one of my worst, when we beat Albany in overtime. There's a like clip out there of Brett Queener snapping his stick over his leg. It was one of the coolest moments in the world. I didn't even know that my parents were in the were in the stands, and kind of found out after. And remember, like hugging my mom, and it was. So amazing. And then fast forward a week later, we're in the final four, which was obviously, I think today, still today is the biggest final four attendance. It was at 52,000 M&T Bank Stadium. Cornell, uh, the Cornell boys who were undefeated all year, went down 11 to three and had the flu at the time. And I'll tell you, with the humidity in Maryland, going down eight goals, things were pretty rough and we went on an 8-0 run and tied the game up with 15 seconds left and hadn't lost a face-off in about an hour. And Zach Greer, God bless him, grabbed an unbelievable Canadian handle on the crease, and uh, we had been spending 90 minutes climbing back into the game, and he sniped one with four seconds left, which was super great. And, you know, my, my senior year, we... We're up three with three minutes to go, get in Syracuse in the finals, somehow gave that lead away, that was rough. But like, again, to play in front of that many people, again, like football schools played like in front of a hundred thousand people every weekend, but like for the lacrosse world to do that and to jump into that scene for the final four is so unbelievably special. So those are some of the the great memories I had.
0: I I've talked to a couple college coaches before and, and they've always said that, you know, once you get to the final four, really anything can happen and and really the achievement is getting to the final four. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then obviously winning a championship would be icing on the cake. Do you, I mean, do you feel that yeah. way? Do you, do you feel accomplished because you've you've been on teams that went to the
1: final four? I do. I do. I mean, it's, that's a great way to put it. And, and frankly, the stakes just change. You know, I think a lot of quarterfinals have attendances of like 15 to 20,000 people, which is for lacrosse is is great. And, you know, they're usually like in these really intimate stadiums like Hofstra or Princeton, Cornell hosts sometimes. So that's incredibly special. But like taking that leap to next weekend where you're immersed in this experience. And I, I think about that, you know, on a much smaller scale or a much bigger scale rather. But like the watching the final four for basketball just now, like, that scene and like just riding with your team and especially the final four is great because school's basically over you basically get to go to practice every day you train you recover and you're watching film and just all of a sudden you're stepping onto a field where you know NFL um, in NFL stadiums and you look up and it's just remarkable and the noise is deafening and it's just the stakes are just so big and it's it's so special
0: and that's awesome you know hopefully hopefully one day I'll, I'll get to experience that you know in, in some form hopefully watching the youths, that would be the ultimate Absolutely. Dream. but uh, what what after you graduate what was sort of your path eventually you ended up in in Park City you know what was sort of your path between then and yep. in Park City
1: Sure. So everyone in Cornell basically goes to New York City. And most of the guys have grown up in like Long Island or New York or parts where dad works in finance. And so I was fortunate enough to go to Cornell, uh, some crazy scenario where two of my best friends from Torrey Pines transferred there. And we were kind of fish out of water there with like dad didn't work at Goldman and so that path just wasn't right for me. I had connected with a Cornell alum, Cornell lacrosse alum, who had a boutique restaurant group in, in, in the West Village and had some, had some spots in Midtown. And so I ended up going, I had, still had a year of eligibility. I had three herniated discs and suffered a tremendous amount of pain and took a year off and had a year of eligibility. And that was, a, you know, to briefly touch on that, like that was a crazy story where I decided with a buddy. I'm not sure if you ever met him while he was here, Todd Fiella, but we went to Deerfield together. He is a brother of mine and he had tore his Achilles. He was at Brown. And so we started shopping around together to like, let's go play a year together. So we end up going on a recruiting visit to Denver. And this is actually a funny story. We're there. We're going. school's basically over. And a lot of the guys around campus were there for the weekend and they're interviewing. That was when Jamie Monroe got fired. And it was this, we'd started to go there when Jamie Monroe was the coach. And then by the time our visit happened, he got fired. And so (laughs) we're there and we're with the kids. And I remember there's a guy, a kid uh, named Andrew lay who ended up becoming a big midfield scorer there. He was a sophomore at the time. And he actually like really rubbed me the wrong way. He's a good friend now, but like he says, uh, I'm hearing that Bill Tierney is gonna come here. <laughs> Todd's from Brown. I'm from Cornell. We hate him, yeah. and Princeton has just resurrected itself with a couple of those guys, Chad Weedmeyer and some of those guys that they had had their best. We had just beat them this our, in the quarterfinals at last year. and we look at him like, you dumbass. like <laughs> what do you think? oh, yeah, Bill Tierney's gonna come here. We wrap up coach Torpy who's at high point now is basically interviewing for the job. He's the one showing us around with coach Brown. He's coming back from interviews. He thinks he's going to get the job. So do we, I go back to San Diego. Todd gives me a phone call and says, Bill Tierney has been named the head coach. And so really blown away felt bad for how I treated Mr. Lay, but I hated Bill Tierney. I hated him so much during college And he calls me a week later and says, this this program's a little bit in disarray right now. There's a lot of transition. Like, I need your help. And it ended up being an incredibly special year for me. We won the ECAC that year, beat Loyola in Mile High Stadium in front of 15,000 people. We ended up... We had just beat, we ended up losing to Stony Brook in the first round. We had just beat them. So it was, you know, it was a one goal game and two goal game. And I went from hating Bill Tierney with every fiber in my soul to the guy is one of my favorite people in the world and um, incredibly special to have him in my life. And that was, you know, I was fortunate enough to be named captain that year. And it was just an, it was just an honor to kind of be a part of that. And then the next year turned the final four, second year. And so it was, it was super cool. But so, so after Denver I end up going to New York city to work for this little boutique kind of Cornell run restaurant group. And the way that I'm getting interviewed, this usually comes up in, you know, Salt Lake trip or whatever and how I ended up here. I was 22 and just couldn't fathom why I couldn't have my own restaurant group right off the bat without paying any dues. <laughs> and my former boss looked at me like you are an idiot. And I just couldn't get it at the time. So I ended up going stayed in hospitality and went back to San Diego to work for one of the biggest restaurant groups in San Diego. And then ended up getting out of food and beverage for about seven years and just kind of needed a break and wasn't kind of, I don't think I was mature enough or ready to handle all the ins and outs of what food and beverage requires. And so was really happy in San Diego. Fast forward, Todd Fiella is living in park city. I'm in Vegas doing a photo shoot. He says, why don't you come visit me? So I ended up coming to park city just to hang with him. I hadn't seen him in like five, six years. And I find out, Basically, after my second day there, we kept having lunches with these important gentlemen from Park City. And I'm like the first one, I kind of don't, don't think about it. The guy's like asking me about my career and my interests. And then the second one, I'm like, okay, what's going on? And then the third one, I basically pulled Todd aside like in the bathroom when we're at lunch. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And basically, like, I could really use a friend here. These have been like pseudo interviews. So <laughs> so <laughs> there's a a month later, I've done three phone interviews and on my way to the airport after, before I left, I'd sat down with the CEO of a company that's based now here, Athletic Republic, and ended up taking a job here. So that's how I ended up here. I was tricked and swindled, but absolutely loved the gig and was, was doing that for about two and a half years here. Todd, ironically, bailed on me and moved to Texas to be the head coach of Allen High School. And... I started coaching at park city and that's kind of how my was, that was my first foray into Utah lacrosse here. And and you coached at park city for a
0: little bit. You, you started a club team prime prime LC at this point. Are you thinking, you know, are you still wanting to get into hospitality or, you know, have you kind of, you know, just pushed that aside for a while? Like at at what point do you start kind of thinking again, like, no, I, I do want to start my own, my own, you know, business.
1: So the prime thing I'm looking around and I think, you know, the guys who were running Blackhawks at the time had assembled like a great crew. Mike Isbell's kids are getting a little older. We're having some talks on the side and I'm looking at this, like the, the, the big piece of my story was like these adrenaline guys, when I was in, they, they shaped our futures. Like they came out, And opened a door for us it wasn't all like altruistic and righteous they were partying in san diego they had a great time and ended up forming adrenaline but i looked around at the landscape here and and kids were getting a little bit recruited but like i think mike was on the tail end of like establishing this great culture and team and and i wanted to pay it forward to these kids like todd and i coached we went to that Denver like national champion like whatever that some elite kind of national thing in Utah we went like seven and oh with Bubba Josh Stout bullet Mike. Le- like our team and I after that tournament I was like okay we gotta put the pedal to metal here and so prime was like a really special thing for me running that with with Brad LaVoy at the helm who's still at Westminster at the time obviously and and Dan Schmidt and Walker Bateman and like these guys that we had, we had assembled this like pretty dang, like good crew of coaches. And all of a sudden we're going to play, we're going to the shootout to play RC and we're beating them and we're going to Vegas and we won the tournament and you know, that we were establishing a thing. And then, yeah, year two was like Stout's a senior, Bubba's a senior, Michael, but like that team was legit and it was so fun you know we got guys like ryan walton who are like coaching the young guys and we're like feeding this pro like it was and people were going to these tournaments and people are like who the hell are you guys and utah and it was so it was so it honestly of all the like the things i've done in my life it was one of the most special things of all time in the back of my head i'm looking around in utah i'm working in park city I'm kind of blown away at the way that we kind of globally eat here, to be honest. And I'm taking a look around and I had done it when I was at Denver, I had kind of done it. I built a deck and a business plan for what some amalgamation of vessel. And so that was when things started in the background. And that was kind of right when crime took off and I'm working, you know, 70 hour weeks at Athletic Republic and I'm going home and I'm working on this at night. And so the way the story goes... This deck had gotten to be like 60 gigabytes <laughs> and I didn't really have anywhere to put it as I was sharing it around. So I put it on our corporate Dropbox at Athletic Republic. My former CEO, Charlie Graves, and I are having lunch one day and he says, Hey, found this deck on the Dropbox. What's going on here? And he's like, it, basically this, this conversation was, it looks like you put a tremendous amount of work here and uh, I think you should go do it. Which is why he's one of my all-time favorite people. And it was so cool. And the unfortunate kind of casualty of that was prime because I just, it, it was so special to me and we had done some great things and I felt like I owed it to these kids and and we were, you know, all of a sudden I'm on the phone with Princeton, Maryland, Syracuse, and like peddling Bubba and Stout. And then the Rutgers thing starts happening with those boys and we're plugging these kids into D1 schools. And at the same time, I just, I couldn't, maintain it. And so at the same time, Brad decides he's going to probably leave Westminster, a couple other things happen. And I felt really bad about that because we had kind of created this conglomerate of like started siphoning kids who were like really super committed. And I I felt really proud of this culture, but unfortunately I just couldn't do it. And then when our backup plans failed, things like crumbled really quick and that sucked. It was, it was brutal. But I think, you know, some kids got, you know, We had, what we had done, I think what we moved the need a little bit with is like, we had escalated like West Coast stars and some of these teams looking at our kids. And so we started feeding more kids in there, even after prime was gone again, dubs, Ryan Walden had, had established this great rapport with his first group of prime kids. And then they formed this rad little team of Rocky mountain rippers And then they had their own like special little thing. So watching that kind of wrap up this last year, that was like six years later, seeing that and what he did with those kids and like, you know, I would talk, you know, some of their parents are of the Rocky Mountain Rivers kids are investors of ours. And you could tell that he had built something super special. So even though that prime failed, there was a couple cool things that came from it.
0: Definitely, you know, and I and I should point out that Vessel Kitchen is a is a sponsor of this podcast and in the Utah Lax Report and, and we definitely appreciate that. And and it's and it's because of you know your lacrosse background, but also your your investors background as well. They also love lacrosse and so it, it's definitely awesome. You get the the go-ahead basically from your, your current boss to go and, and do this. What happened next? You know, I, I know you opened yeah. the, the location in Park City first, but yeah. you know, was that the first place you looked at? Kind of how did that all come together?
1: Well again to, like Lacrosse is a special little community and, and I start kind of casually having some dialogues taking that massive deck I had built and I had had you know been fortunate to make some like really great connections through Park City Lacrosse and Prime and just being in the Park City community with some people that had funding that I didn't and we ended up assembling a crew of a, a handful of investors that were a lot of most of them from the Lacrosse community who believed in the vision and so we were taking a big risk things fell together with a space all of a sudden we were funded we were doing it things on the cheap and really just saying like let's see if if our intuition here is right and we opened in august of 2016 and the doors like got blown off from day one it was so humbling it was so remarkable it was I didn't sleep for like 90 days so that was kind of brutal but it was like so it was my first entrepreneur you know you could call it prime entrepreneur but like it was my first real kind of entrepreneurial venture and I just felt really fortunate to have had the Park City community and the Utah community in general just respond so well and so we grinded for about a year and a half and just tried to do you know we we've kind of operated as like little mad scientists since we started where our menu changes incredibly rapidly. If we have an idea, we run with it. Sometimes we mess up and if we, if we need to rectify something, we do so and that's kind of held us in good stead. And then our hope was always that we looked at the Utah landscape and said, we think that people can eat quality food at an affordable price point and that that can be accessible. And so to wake up five years later and to have four restaurants and have opened three in the valley is, is still really cool. And so the pandemic was really rough for sure, but to be standing here and feeling like we're even stronger than before, you know, March of last year is just a testament to our team and, and kind of the fortitude that you had to have to make it through this thing.
0: What, what are some of the lessons that you learned either in high school or, or uh, in college on the lacrosse field that, that have applied to, you know, opening a business, running, running a
1: successful business? I would say we ended up having a meeting my partners and I about about a week or about three days before the big kind of announcements on the major news networks happened for, for the pandemic. And we kind of had it like, a, you know, I, it reminds me of like a huddle where it's like everyone puts their hands in and it was like, no idea what's about to happen here. Seems like it's bad. We had, I, I remember that day we had the the guys from Mo, the owners of Mo Betta's in the building. And I remember one of them, like Hilani's walking out and we said, hey, are you paying attention to this like Corona stuff at the time. It was like this Corona Ghibli. And he's like, yeah, not really. Like, I think we're talking about it or whatever. And, and, and we kind of were like, I don't think people know, I don't know what we've seen, but something triggered it in us. Maybe it was Joe Rogan. It was probably Joe Rogan, you know, but we just said, no matter what, let's do what we can for our team. And let's like stick to our guns. And so I would say, especially in lieu of the last year, what i've told people before is like just like you know uh, that game where we're down eight goals against duke and everything looks bleak it's like the wins the little wins felt bigger this last year and all of a sudden you look around and you're like i'm in the trenches with these people and like we have 130 staff now which is like crazy and it's like we got to roll together and stick together or we're not going to make it here and we're watching restaurants drop like flies and it was just like let's stay true to who we are and let's let's abide by the principles that got us here and let's take care of each other and a year later I think establishing that foundation early really helped us in good stead of you. where where did the name come from so I've been <laughs> I was quoted in some early articles I probably should have known better but again, I'm 250 pounds and literally the, and 250 pounds with a really slow metabolism. And so I was eating the healthiest options I could get in park city were, was a cafe Rio salad, which as anyone knows is probably like 1800 calories delicious. But, and so what I put in my body always has mattered and i just wanted something that res that you know that represented that your body like the things that you put in your body is important and so your body is this vessel and it and it takes you through the voyage that that is your life and if you give it good fuel it'll take you to you know to better places and so that's was kind of the the core ethos of, of ours of like you know we have mashed potatoes and mac and cheese and and stuff like that but We wanted to guarantee that that you were going to have quality ingredients. And if you want to eat whole 30 or keto or paleo Monday through Thursday, you can do so at a really high level. And if on Friday you want to have mashed potatoes, mac and cheese or whatever, it's going to be a little bit more calorically dense, sure, but, but you're going to know that it's got super quality ingredients and that it's just built with the right stuff. And so, yeah, your body... sorry. Yeah. Your body is, is just, is everything. And so you just got to give it good stuff. If you want to, you want to make it in this life.
0: I, going back to the, your, your previous answer, when you talked about the Mo Betas, his son plays lacrosse. Did you know that?
1: No, I did not. Yeah.
0: Kalani, uh, Kalani's uh, son is a senior at Highland. Plays, mm-hmm. plays pole. He's 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 a threat. <laughs> we'll put it that way. I like that.
1: I'll I'll uh, let him know I heard that on the grapevine the next time I see him.
0: Yeah, no, super good family. I, I sat in front of him at, at a game just recently. So an, another lacrosse friendly establishment is Mobetta. So you, you want to talk about high calorie mac and cheese? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's, it's there. Sure. It's, it's yummy. What what does the future hold for Vessel?
1: So, you know, we were expanding pretty rapidly and we had these big kind of grandiose plans and the pandemic will humble you. And honestly, like I said earlier, like we're super proud of of what we've been able to accomplish and that we honestly, you know, frankly, like last month with four stores finally open was our biggest month that we've ever had in the company. And like to say that is is what we're doing right now like we've always kind of done is like we're trying to push the envelope so like right now we're doing some like big kind of conceptual things of like looking at commissary kitchens to grow like the breadth of like our dessert program and baked breads and sauces and stuff like that and then house everything to improve consistency and then kind of ship that out to the stores and continue to give us the ability to to expand, you know, some of those initiatives will give us the ability to expand. You know, we've got our eyes on like Farmington. We've always looked to go south to, you know, somewhere like Lehigh, South Jordan. So we're going to, we're kind of getting our footing coming out of the pandemic while also kind of pushing the envelope with some big stuff. So we're going to continue to do what we do and, and, you know, change our menu kind of rapidly and turn everything's over as seasonally as we always have. And we're hoping to expand our footprint in Utah and, and, and hopefully God willing get out, you know, expand the vessel brand outside of the state of Utah.
0: What what do you see as far as your future uh, in lacrosse, maybe coming back to the sidelines one day?
1: I got to tell you in the last year is the first time that I've really started. I I've always like, listen, I'm up every Saturday when watching Bubba at Maryland, like I'm, I'm watching the I'm watching Garrett still at Rutgers. Like and I just want to say Tim, like I am and have always been a guest in this state. And like to watch, you know, Will Will Manny is 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 making my car payments with his support of <laughs> vessel every every week. But like to see what they're doing, I just want like I've been around the block enough to know, and especially the, with the antidote with the with the adrenaline guys of like that stuff doesn't happen without like someone like you and like the culture that you built here and like the the perpetual kind of support of all things lacrosse here in Utah. I've always just felt like a guest like in your house and just always like felt like really fortunate. So I'm thrilled to be talking today and it's the first time I felt like I went to like the prime closure was really rough for me. And like, if there's a way for me to get back into lacrosse right now, I would love to kind of to dip my toes back in and, and kind of give back to the community. So I'm trying to figure that out right now while my schedule is changing with every passing moment but I don't know you've got any ideas let me know (laughs) I'm sure we could find something for you You, you've got you've got the
0: the main location in in Park City at at Kimball Junction you've got the 9th and 9th uh, store you've got the one out in uh, Fort Union and then and then one in Sandy so you know you've got the the wide array covered there of of places that that people can can get uh, Vessel Kitchen what what's your favorite menu item? What, what's your go-to when, you, when you're eating at the restaurant?
1: Right now, it's probably the chicken and grains. And so, you know, we've got this series of composed dishes where, like, right now, I'm trying to kind of get my fat butt back into shape. And uh, after a hard workout, just eating some good, co- like, we have these coconut basmati rice and quinoa, shredded chicken, couple delicious kind of really light sauces and some roasted peppers and it's uh, real nice. Okay. So there you go. You heard, you heard it there first, any, any secret
0: menu items for the, for the fans out there?
1: No, I think the best part about vessel right now is again we've even leaned into that with the pandemic of like, it's a kind of choose your own adventure situation. So we've created a new dish where you can actually take that a step further. It's called, it's called the vessel and you can create this, this weird, your own weird concoction of all your favorite side dishes, proteins. And then now you get a sauce, you know, we've got these beautiful scratch made sauces and toppings and you kind of just get to tinker. And I think that's what's really nice. And frankly, as a guy who eats vessel pretty much every day. It makes, it eliminates the ability or the threat of things becoming stagnant because you get to kind of just pick and choose something different every day.
0: That's awesome. And, and again, the, you know, the website is vesselkitchen.com. You can check out all their locations. Nick, thanks for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy. The, the restaurant world is is fast-paced and, and I appreciate your time. So, so thanks again for coming on.
1: Tim, it was a pleasure. I appreciate you and everything you've done for, for Utah Lacrosse and we'll continue to do. And just again, pleasure to be a guest in your house, my friend.
0: No, we, we appreciate it. We welcome you with, with open arms and, and let's, let's go catch a game sometime. I would love that. Awesome. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it.